The talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. We hope this never ends. Jimmy James and Tom are back for more. Like Joey B, we're here for season four with Bengal guests and stories not heard before. There's Tony, Mark, and Jamie, as well as our charity. Hootie Nation, join in from far and wide. Every Tuesday night, the guys are back at it live. By the fan, for the fan, from day one, it's time to have some fun. We're talking football, with Bengal Jim and friends, we're talking football. We hope this never ends, the Bengal boys stop by to drop the speed. Don't get your popcorn ready and take a seat. Season four will end with the Lombardy. Happy Winning Tuesday, everybody. It is a Bengal Gymless version of Bengal Gym and Friends, all friends this evening. So with our special guest, Audie Elmore, but here to kick us off, here is James. Welcome, everybody. Uh, no Jimmy, no Jamie. So this is uh, this is what we got, but uh, I think everybody's on cloud nine. Big, uh, big win on Sunday. A lot of fun. Um, certainly, um, we had lot E rocking with our trailer park floozy friends uh, pregame. Uh, thank you so much for everyone that uh, came out. Early crowd. Um, I think set the set the tone for the night. It's certainly once we walked in Paycor, striped Paycor, should I say, um, the place was uh, was rocking. Another great charity. Thanks to uh, Tony and his crew. We'll have a little video that um, Mark filmed that we'll show a little bit uh, later. And as you said, Tom, uh, Adi will be joining us. So um, what is that? Four straight wins, five out of the last six, and the train is rolling down to the track. Tony. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, the most intelligent uh, fan base around, being able to uh, stripe that jungle. Uh, the environment was great. Um, we had a little light show with our uh, our cell phones. Uh, it was electric inside. It was just a really good environment to be able to uh, uh, to take in. So uh, much love to all the fans for uh, being able to do that. It was awesome. Augie's here when the show started. That's like normally he gets a party slip every week. He is here like at 8.02. I am so proud of him. So congratulations, Mark. Oh, what a great night. Uh, really meant a lot to see Ken Riley and his family come down and also the presentation they had at halftime for him getting into the Hall of Fame. They presented him with the ring. That was a really cool moment to see. We see you see the uh, ticker scrolling on the bottom. Be sure to, um, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, be sure to hit the uh, subscribe button. If you're watching on Facebook, we do have that new Facebook uh, page specifically for the podcast. Be sure to um, like that to stay up to date on um, what's happening. So let's talk about the game uh, Sunday night, Tom. Let's hear your um, reaction. Well, to piggyback a little bit on what Mark just said, it was great to see the Ken Riley family again, classy as ever. Uh, great to see Willie Anderson visiting everybody at the tailgate future Hall of Famer and Bengal Ring of Honor member uh, that helped really set the stage. The atmosphere was fantastic. I don't know if you guys thought the place was as fired up as it was a year ago when we had that game against Buffalo. 
but uh, certainly striping the stadium was an, a great idea by the Bengals franchise. And I think we as fans pulled it off very, very well. And uh, it'll only get better in the future for white outs. And, and I'm sure that's not the last time the stadium is going to get striped. But, uh, you know, it was another great night for the city. Uh, you know, the great ratings for the game from two small markets. I think that just shows the amount of tension that the Bengals bring. Uh, with the type of team they have. But uh, I, I don't think they played a complete game. I know that sounds pessimistic out of the out of the gate, but but stay with me. But they played a darn good one. I, they punched everything they needed to punch offensively in the first half, and uh, the defense played a, a near-complete game, making big plays when they had to make big plays with turnovers and so forth to set things up and stop Buffalo to getting pressure on Josh Allen when we needed it. Uh, Buffalo's a very good team, a win to be proud of, a desperately needed AFC win because we're going to need those tiebreakers come week 17, game 17. But, um, you know, I don't I don't think we can ask, you know, you beat the Buffalo Bills, you don't make any apologies and, and you move on, you know, despite what Josh Allen said uh, that the refs uh, screwed the Bills over. I didn't see that, but. No, uh, fantastic game, but it's over. Let's go get Houston. Let's make it count. We all know Houston had that uh, big game on on Sunday, kind of a coming out party for mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud. So we certainly can't uh, overlook the game Sunday before we roll into Baltimore next Thursday. But um, agree, Tom, uh, another huge game by Jermaine Pratt. You know, we look back and look at the the contract we gave them. And man, that looks like a steal more and more um, every week. Cam Taylor Britt with a, um, another interception, just a, another huge play there um, at the defensive back uh, position. And, um, you know, I think last week we uh, were ready to uh, get Irv Smith a bus ticket out of town. Um, but man, stepped up. I think obviously their game plan was to take Chase out of the, uh, out of the equation, they did that for the most part. But um, what ten receptions, hundred some yards from um, from the tight end position, whether it was Sample with a touchdown, Irv's touchdown, or um, Tanner Hudson stepping up um, huge. So that was uh, great to see. And uh, was it is it James Casey? Is that the tight ends coach name? It is. Okay, so kudos to him for for getting that group um, together. They um, they stepped up, and God knows we're going to need them down the stretch. Another um, big thing, I think we were, what, 0-9, 0-8 Sunday night football going into this game. So uh, another monkey we knocked off uh, the back. Uh, Joe Burrow's just on a roll right now, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, to be a Bengal. Um, fan, uh, Paycor was rocking, and we get to do it all again here on, uh, on Sunday. So it looks like our guest is here. We're not going to keep him waiting in the room. We're going to maximize our time with him. Tom, go ahead and introduce uh, who we have tonight. He does a fantastic job in all roles for Cincinnati iHeartRadio, mainly on uh, 1530 AM, WCKY, or ESPN, as as it's so often called, from uh, noon to 3, Monday through Friday, with his sidekick, Tony Pike. And and before we bring him on, uh, a word of caution to our viewers. For those that sent the messages last time he was on, I don't want to get political and, and use a phrase that's used a lot in politics, but this has been used a lot lately. Don't. Don't send any messages saying that Mo Egger is this guy's janitor every day when he signs <laughs> off at 3 o'clock. Austin doesn't like it, and we're very uncomfortable with it, too. But he's a fantastic guy, and I think his uh, 
his talk radio coverage of the Bengals is second to none in town. We're very lucky to have him tonight, Austin Elmore. Wow, what an introduction. And Janitor, I think, is putting it lightly, but uh, that's <laughs> incredibly kind of you. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Welcome, Audie. You've got the big screen. Tom's going to lead with a uh, couple of questions. And, uh, you know, you remind me of tonight. You look like the drummer from the Bare Naked Ladies tonight, Austin. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> We're gonna, everybody's going to Google it now. They're going to take a 30-second pause from Bengal Jim and Friends here on uh, Tuesday night. But, uh, Tom, go ahead. Well, Austin, I mean, we could keep you for hours talking Bengals, but I, I want to start with something James just mentioned, and that's uh, two names on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I happen to think Jermaine Pratt with, you know, the big plays he makes at big times and everything, he's probably, if you're going to make an all-time first-team Bengal, he's probably nudged his way onto that team mm. uh, ju just with that. Do you think he and Cam Taylor Britt are having Pro Bowl seasons? Yeah, I do. And, and I think it's interesting because at the beginning of the season, I think you could look at Jermaine Pratt and say – that guy needs to be better. He's he's part of the problem on defense. If you remember the first couple of weeks of the season, they were struggling to stop the run. They were struggling against play action. They were struggling in uh, that second level, especially in pass coverage. And so ever since maybe week three, week four, there seems to be some sort of shift in what they have done that has created Jermaine Pratt, to, an opportunity for Jermaine Pratt to play a little more freely. And that has just kind of changed everything. He's been everywhere. We know about his timely ways of uh, creating turnovers. He did it last year against the Chiefs. We know about the Raiders game, obviously. Did it just this past week. And so when you're playing that free, playing that open, that relaxed, instinctual, is the reason why the Bengals gave him a lot of money in the offseason. And so I think that's a big part of it. And, and, and Cam Taylor Britt, man, he's such an athlete and – he is just continuing to grow as a as a defender each and every week. And I think those experiences and those reps, now that you're playing with Dax Hill and Nick Scott and Jordan Battle a little bit, the more you guys play together, uh, the more or the better you're going to be at your job. And I just think the confidence level for Cam Taylor British through the roof, and that's key for a guy like him. Tom, you got James. another one? No, go ahead, James. All right, we want to remind everybody that's in the chat, if you have a question for um, Austin, feel free to uh, type it in. Just to reiterate what uh, Tom said, love the love the afternoon show. I had to turn off briefly this afternoon when the Scott Satterfield press conference and, and Paul <laughs> came on, but um, I'm sure a lot of uh, Cincinnati fans did, whether they're UC fans or – You were not alone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I digress. It's, um, it's a great time to um, – to be a Bengal fan. You know, the one thing that shocked me and, and listened to a lot of the national media, they are just shocked that the Bengals fans were able to pull off this stripe out or whatever you <laughs> want to um, call it. Um, kudos to the Bengals for, for getting the word out there, whether it was email, social media, um, whatever channel they use to get it. But I think it just shows dedication, the support, the, the love that the Bengals have, fans have for the organization because, man, that uh, stadium looked um, – Pretty spectacular on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, it was so cool to see. And I, I love that the, the organization has leaned into the fact of, like, we want to be the 12th man. We want to create this place that makes it so difficult for people to come in and play. And they have invested so much in that, in, in the, the pyrotechnics and the scoreboards 
stuff like the stripe out that just gets people a little bit more excited to come to the game. The in-stadium experience over the last three years has changed dramatically. I mean, you guys know you're at every single game. And I, I think that feeds down to the players as well. It's like, man, our fans went to all this trouble. Our fans are painting their face like Tony does. Our fans are color coordinating. Our fans are doing all this different stuff. We got to show up for them. And in the Joe Burrow era, 5-0 and in home primetime games. They're really, really hard to beat in Cincinnati in those big games. So, yeah, I think that all has a trickle-down effect of, like, from the front office down to the field, it's a big deal when we're hosting a game on national television, we have to show out. And I, I think you've uh, you've seen that on the field. The one thing we mentioned before you came on the air was the tight end position. Certainly a, a huge concern the first part of the season. Uh, we saw what happened in, in San Francisco. Um, Irv, Miss, Irv Smith was, uh, I think, given a, a bus ticket by every fan out of town. <laughs> Certainly stepped up on um, on Sunday night. You surprised to see that? Was it just kind of a combination of what you said? A lot of new guys having to to get together and and how about um tanner hudson we saw some flashes of him in in preseason and and anytime he's you know on that active roster he seems to to make a play yeah i was paying for irv smith to go anywhere in the world he wanted to go as long as it wasn't back on the field right. and it, I, i'm so struck by the way the offense looked against san francisco and the way the offense looked on sunday night two entirely different offenses what were we talking about coming out of San Francisco? Oh, they went under center a lot. Um, they used play action a lot. Joe Burrow was running around. And then you look back to Sunday night, Jamar Chase barely got the ball. And Buffalo double teamed him everywhere he went on the field. T. Higgins had a nice game, eight for 110 yards. They were in shotgun almost entirely. And the tight end position came up for 10 catches, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Irv Smith looked good. Tanner Hudson looks like their best tight end. And Drew Sample had a 22-yard touchdown reception that we haven't seen that sort of athletic ability from him at all since he got here. And I just think it, it goes to show the Bengals' ability to adapt, number one, to specifically what the defense is doing. In San Francisco, that game plan entirely different than the one against Buffalo. And when you have the ability to change that much, I think that says a lot, number one, about your personnel and number two, about your your coaching staff to be able to, to move that sort of stuff around and say, OK, well, if Buffalo is going to put two people on Jamar Chase and follow him wherever he goes and we've been moving him around a lot. OK, that's fine. We got Tyler Boyd who's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. We've got T Higgins, who's a number one on 30 other teams. And we've got Joe Mixon and three guys that can get open while you're covering the rest of those guys. And that's what makes the Bengals so dangerous. That's why so many people in the national media prior to the start of the season were saying this team can win the Super Bowl. Now, through two weeks, winning four out of their last five or whatever it is, you're starting to hear those people talking again. People are saying, oh, the Bengals are back. The reason is they can win in four or five different ways with four or five different players, and that's what makes them so hard to defend. We have a listener question. Lisa, who joined us Sunday, was feeling no pain early, made a stop to uh, Holy Grail earlier before joining the uh, tailgate. Um, ask about uh, Jonah in the right tackle position. Certainly going all the way back to the offseason, you know, Jonah was going to sit out. Jonah was mad um, once Orlando Brown was was brought in. But I think he's really um, solidified that right tackle position in the last year of his deal. Do you want to comment on that and maybe the rest of the O-line? Yeah, I am surprised. I don't think anybody expected him to be this good. Uh, he's just been solid. And, you know, Tony and Mo on our on our station yesterday were making the point about how we used to be 
all we'd ever talk about was the offensive line. Now we barely talk about it. That's great news if you're an offensive lineman. And the thing with Jonah Williams, I think, is is interesting. I, I do a pregame show with Joe Walter, who obviously played the position, the former Bengal. And it's the first thing he said to me when he got to our show on Sunday. He's like, man, Jonah's playing so well. And when, when that's the case and you have confidence as, as Joe Burrow right there in your face, you don't have to move your feet around, especially when you're dealing with that calf injury. And you have a guy like Orlando Brown Jr. who's kind of been slower, but coming into form, you just put those guys on the ends and let Joe do the rest. It's so important to the run game. It's so important to uh, Burrow. It's so important to the quick game. It's important to that deep intermediate game as well. So, yeah, I think the, the biggest question mark really on the offense right now, aside from the back injury to Jamar Chase, is can Cordell Volson figure it, figure it out? He, he's certainly going through a sophomore slump. And, you know, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras been relatively consistent. The tackles have been kind of consistent, but Cordell Volson seems to be struggling. Now, the offensive line as a whole, I think, was better the last couple of weeks, especially when getting to the second level. That might have been a, a philosophical change when it comes to the bye week that they established. But Cordell Volson, can he kind of flatten out and get a little bit more consistent and return to that level of last year? If he can, uh, that offensive line is among the best in the NFL. We're going to go to one more question before we go to Tony. Uh, John Stanger, and there's another one um, here about both wide receiver. You did touch on uh, Jamar Chase. Charlie Jones, a, a couple questions about his health, and also Chase Brown, Austin. Yeah, I don't think it's it's going to be Chase Brown yet, but I think Charlie Jones has a chance. I believe he uh, re, uh, returned to the, the practice fields earlier last week. Uh, but I think they can open up that window maybe starting to, tomorrow. So I would say there's a better chance for Charlie Jones than, than Chase Brown. And, and I'm not hearing much about Jamar Chase. I think uh, Chris Collinsworth, if you, you heard the broadcast, was like he's going to be sore on Monday morning. Nobody tried to talk to him. And it sounds like he was pretty sore. And, you know, I, I really like Jamar's transparency. I love how honest he is about everything all the time. He's like, yeah, my back hurts, and I don't know what we're going to do. So that'll be interesting to see. I would imagine if I had a, if I'm just using my gut here, I would say he doesn't play this week. And again, we know nothing. They haven't even practiced. Doesn't play this week, tries to be 100% for Baltimore, feel like maybe they can win this game against Houston at home. Uh, and if you think back to last year when Jamar got hurt, he sat out an extra game to make sure he was 100% healthy. When Burrow injured his calf in, in the preseason, he told Burrow to, to just stay put and get healthy and, and wait until you're 100%. So Jamar doesn't seem to mess around with injuries. If he's not feeling 100%, it doesn't seem like somebody that's going to go. So we'll see how that plays out. I think there's a decent chance he doesn't go, but we really don't know anything until they take the field tomorrow. Tony? Yeah, another thing that's been in the news media a lot lately is, um, you know, the success of our defense and the coach Lou. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk that Lou, this was probably his last year, and I'm probably agreeing with that just because he is a very good uh, the coach. And so in your perspective, what team do you think he will be most uh, needed at um, so far, you know, at this point of the year? Yeah, the, the team that makes the most sense, I think, on paper is the Raiders because of the fact that he's had so much success against Patrick Mahomes and they have another quarterback in that division who's really, really good in Justin Herbert. And you just need somebody that knows how to stop those defenses, knows how to stop those offenses. And, and I think Lou kind of 
could have a little bit of that Raider attitude. He's kind of got that Jersey type mentality where I could see him kind of leaning into that. Don't know what his personality would be like as a head coach. Um, but, but yeah, I think the Raiders makes a lot of sense for him. As far as the rest of the league, I'm unsure who would move on from their team uh, or move on from their coach. Washington is really interesting all of a sudden because it doesn't seem like uh, their new owner, Josh Harris, is going to keep a lot of guys around. They've got a good young quarterback. They just traded away some pieces on defense. Maybe they could look towards Lou Anarumo if Ron Rivera doesn't come back. And another one to keep an eye on is the New England Patriots. What if Bill Belichick moves on? What if Robert Kraft is like, I'm tired of losing. You're not the GM anymore. Let's bring in some football people. And you go after Lou Anarumo, who is kind of like Bill Belichick was 23 years ago, this young, bright, defensive mind that can come into New England and kind of restart. I think that's an interesting one. I don't know about the future of Belichick, but uh, those are a couple teams that come to mind. Mark? How you doing, Austin? Um, How you doing, man? I'm doing well, sir. Uh, you know, once again, we're in the Bengals season where it feels like we're on a roller coaster. You know, I know after that Tennessee game, I frankly, I was concerned. I mean, we were getting out physical. Uh, we, you know, we were getting ran on. It was very difficult. Um, and, you know, of course, again, Joe Burrow got hurt. But Joe Burrow doesn't play defense. So what, honestly, do you think it is that makes us start out so slow in these seasons and then just get so much better, it seems like, overnight? Yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. Like, everybody wants to point to, okay, well, they don't play in the preseason and they're not very physical at practice and they have a very light off-season program. That's the only thing that really makes sense as to why they kind of start out slow. Maybe they're not entirely in football shape. Maybe they're thrown off because Burrow hasn't played very well early in the season or Burrow's been injured. I mean, I think you you look back to training camp and – the Bengals obviously had no faith in Jake Browning when Burrow was hurt to play him. They moved on from Trevor Simeon, who, from everything I heard, could could barely get a, a call out in the huddle during preseason training camp. And that just kind of – you're going up against those two guys every day in practice. I think the defense struggled a little bit when they went up against some much better players early in the season. And it, it just took them some time, reps, especially the youth on the defense, to kind of get things together offensively. It doesn't make any sense. Really. I, I don't know if it's a Zach Taylor thing is if maybe he's trying to ease everybody into it. Maybe it's, they haven't installed the offense fully. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just the, the unfamiliarity of getting into like a game week and the preparation and the practice and the grind that that takes at this point, you'd think they'd have it figured out, but here we are year three getting in after the bye week two big wins and everybody feels like they're on pace to do what they've done the last couple of years. And it's, it's worked. Tom. Austin, you uh, mentioning putting the pieces together. Some of that uh, adjustment needs to come from injuries. Like last year they lost to Lusier and magically Taylor Britt was ready. Even after Lou saying, I don't play DBs early. <laughs> you mentioned your gut tells you right now until we get more information maybe Jamar Chase holds out this weekend and, and is fresh for Baltimore. This year, as opposed to years past, when we all would have been in a state of panic running around with our hair on fire because there's an injury, seems to be a little more depth on the roster. What are your thoughts on Yossi Boss so far? Do you think he's a guy that can not only step in this week, but down the road could 
become a big time target for Joe Burrow? Fun, interesting, really smart, obviously. And somebody that Burrow trusts. I, I mean, that's been quite obvious, especially down in the red zone. I think the Bengals were surprised how quickly he came along. A lot of people kind of saw him as this guy that it's going to come in. Maybe he's going to spend the season on the practice squad, developmental. Came in and made the team through training camp and has been impactful, especially down in the red zone. So I think that might make the decision easier, especially if Charlie Jones is coming back as well for Jamar Chase and the Bengals offense. But yeah, I, I think they look around and say, hey, we believe in the scheme. We believe in the quarterback. A rising tide lifts all boats. And with the production we've seen out of the tight ends, knowing that Mixon is still looking pretty fresh and, and, and solid, plus you have a number one in T. Higgins, we can move on without Jamar Chase for a game or two. And remember, they, they played well without Jamar at times last year. So I, I think Yossi Vosh is a big part of this team's future. It's hard to say that, I know, through nine, ten weeks of a season in, in, in training camp, but I think they have been incredibly impressed with him, and I think anytime or another player above him is going to miss time, he'll see more reps, but I think you can already see the trust from Joe Burrow, and, and I think that's as important as anything to have as a receiver on this team. Going to the other side of the ball, we went from early in the season weeks of non-existent pass rush to inconsistent pass rush, no. to one of the more dangerous front fours in the game. Do you think you see that trending up the rest of the season? Do you think it's been the competition we've played or the scheme? Or, you know, is it uh, they're so worried about Hendrickson, now they're relaxing on everybody else? Or are we just good? I think a little bit of those last two can be true. I think both of those can be true. Trey didn't do much on Sunday night, went up against Deion Dawkins, one of the best in the NFL. And, you know, I love those type of battles, those one-on-ones with two of the best players in the league. I, I think they're pretty solid. And I think B.J. Hill quietly is having a really good season. Prior to the year, we talked about they need to be able to get pressure from the interior of the defensive line. I thought last year – they really missed that Larry Ogan, Joby type of quarterback pressure that we saw during the Super Bowl run in 2021. Didn't get enough of that. Early in the season this year, didn't get enough of that. We're starting to see B.J. Hill come into that a little bit. D.J. Reader come into that a little bit. And, and I think if there's a, a question of depth on this team, that's where it would be for me, interior defensive line. But when Hendrickson is playing at the level he is, and every conceivable metric has him as one of the most disruptive, three or four most disruptive players in the NFL, that makes life easier on the entire offensive line. Makes life easier on Luana Rumo to have some freedom to move those linebackers around a little bit and get more one-on-ones on the inside, stunt some guys, confuse the offensive line. Meanwhile, this tackle's over here getting his ass beat by Trey Hendrickson. So that sort of thing can just create so many opportunities for the defense. I think Sunday night was interesting. At one point, you saw Sam Hubbard off the ball as a linebacker. You saw Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt do a double spy on Josh Allen, which is very rare. And then at one point, Trey Hendrickson dropped into coverage on a third down. That's where that Ludini nickname comes from. When you have that many threats and you can put them doing that many different things, like how do you prepare for that as an offense, especially on money downs like third down? It's – it's a big deal, and, and I think that defensive line success lately has caused a lot of that. Looking ahead to Sunday, Austin, it seems like the Texans are a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. I, if I'm not mistaken, they're the one win that the um, Carolina Panthers have. 
Obviously, mm-hmm. we saw the game C.J. Stroud had last week, which uh, a lot of Ohio State fans also are um, Bengals fans. But what can what do you think is going to happen um, Sunday when the Texans come into town? This one worries a little bit me a little bit because it's coming off a big win on Sunday Night Football. Looking ahead to a big one on Thursday Night Football against Baltimore on the road. This is kind of sandwiched in between with a team that is better than everybody expected, but still not actually good, I think, but a quarterback that's on a heater. CJ was fantastic on Sunday. He's got such a quick release, and I think that can benefit him a lot, especially in the NFL, fitting it into tight windows, not allowing defensive backs to break on the ball because his release is so quick. Um, But you're right. I think they're really, really well coached. D'Amico Ryans has been fantastic his first year there. And the offensive coordinator for Houston, Bobby Slowick, is is a Kyle Shanahan guy. So he can teach quarterbacks really, really well, comes off that branch. So they're going to be well prepared. And they got a couple of guys who can still make plays. Nico Collins and Tank Dell, the wide receivers, are going to present a challenge. So I expect the Bengals to win this game. I expect the Bengals to win every game at this point now, especially in the Burrow era. Um, but I wonder if it's one of those that's a little bit uglier than it's supposed to be, but they find a way to win it. And I think that's just because Houston's young, Houston's scrappy. But historically, uh, at home, the Bengals are really good. And against teams they don't play very often, the, t- the Bengals are really, really good. Houston is one of those. Uh, so I-, I expect the Bengals to win. Maybe it's one of those 24-20 games, and you're like, well, thank God that's over. Let's focus on Baltimore. I agree. We appreciate your um, time, Austin, for, for coming on and, and certainly enjoy listening to you um, every afternoon on, on 1530. So give everybody uh, one final reminder how they can um, tune in and anything else you got uh, coming up here down the pipe. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, noon to three every single day, weekdays, I should say, on ESPN 1530. It's called Cincy 360. Myself and Tony Pike, who was a Bengal for about 35 minutes at one point in his career. And um, we talk about uh, a little bit of everything, primarily Bengals, of course, but uh, college basketball, baseball, the whole nine yards, FC Cincinnati. And then uh, you can follow me as well on Twitter at Audie Elmore. That is A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. And then what about also, the hotline? We have a lot of people that aren't in um, aren't in Cincinnati. So if you have the iHeartRadio app, they can simply yes. uh, go there as well, right? Yes, thank you. That's probably the number one thing on this whole whole plug. iHeartRadio app. You can just search ESPN fifteen thirty and uh, listen anytime. Awesome. Also, the game to check this week. It's on that one, Austin. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear that one. So I said you're going to have to send James the check for the plug this week. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of plug, Austin, will you be doing uh, post-game after the Ravens game? I will, yes. 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. after all the primetime games uh, this year. I did it all last year. I loved it. Did it again this year. It was super fun after they uh, they beat the Bills and, and the Rams, obviously. So, yes, Thursday night football coming up in a couple weeks, 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., on uh, WLW and ESPN 1530. There you go. Thanks, Austin. Thanks, Austin. You're better at this than I am. Jeez. (laughs) We appreciate your time, Austin. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Be good. Thank you, Austin. All righty. Let's get me off the big screen here. And um, we talked briefly before we um, started. Uh, Austin rocked, as always, again. Just a great – Listen, whether you're in Cincinnati or not, tune in to um, iHeartRadio 1530 and 
uh, you can hear him every um, every weekday. But um, it's been, Matt, Mark, how long has it been? Has it been three, four weeks since you've um, done it on the Mark segment, which is a uh, great, great um, recap of what happens um, pregame from everything from, from setup. Uh, we had the trailer park floozies this week. Obviously, Tony's Charities, uh, a couple special guests. And uh, what do we got? A couple minutes. You're going to highlight everything. Uh, it's like the fastest three minutes in, in Bengal Gym talk, right? Absolutely. There's so much going on. Uh, there's so many people, so many groups to talk to, to meet. I mean, you have fans coming from Australia. You just want to capture it all. And, you know, I've found times where I'm trying to do so many things that I end up not doing anything, it feels like. Uh, so it's nice to just be able to take it all back in. But, you know, just a little recap of the day. Uh, we had so many great guests. It was great to see Willie. There was a guy there with a flute. I mean, you never know what you might see at Bengal Jim's Tailgate Village. So uh, let's roll that beautiful footage. All right, let's go. Back at it once again in a few hours. Complete pandemonium. Ooh-dee.
I got to say, I was a little disappointed with the music on the show this week. It's called Grunge. That is the worst grunge I've ever heard in my life on that. Grunge. Uh, well, hey, great job as always, Mark. I, I think, you know, it's interesting. You see, um, and last uh, Sunday was, was an early crowd. I mean, the parking lot didn't even open till four. And there was people hanging out at 2.30, 3 o'clock. And then you can see once, uh, once the sun set about 7 o'clock there, there was um, – from as far as you could see, Weston Lottie, all the way back in um, Smell Park with our friends Lou um, right there. So uh, kudos to all the uh, Bengals fans that uh, came out, as you alluded to, Hong Kong, Australia, Germany, England, all over the place. So um, thanks to everybody that um, that stopped by. We had so much um, fun. Now we're going to talk about our I'm, – I'm one minute late. I said 8.35, Tony. Where it's 836. Uh, go ahead and kick off your segment, my friend. Hey, first, I just want to add is, you know, for the charity and everything that we do, those pictures of all those fans, thousands and thousands of fans that came out, um, you know, we couldn't do this without them. Uh, it's just amazing. You know, I'm part of this and I see it every week. It's just, it's still, uh, you know, melts my heart to see all those people come to our tailgate. It's just, it's freaking awesome. I, I, I enjoy it so much. But uh, getting back onto the charity, um, I want to introduce um, Mandy. Uh, she brought the LLS um, Society to me um, this summer, wanting to do something uh, for that charity. So we put her on the schedule. Um, LLS is, uh, has affected her personally. Uh, so we'd like to bring her on and uh, let her talk about her story a little bit. Hi, guys. Can everybody hear me okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Um, I had some connection trouble upstairs, so I've moved to my kitchen. But I just want to start off by thanking you guys for using this platform to do so much good for our community um, and for partnering with us and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, as you see, I'm wearing our Megan Strong shirt tonight. So our family's first real exposure to LLS was during my sister-in-law, my husband's sister, Megan. She was diagnosed in 2020 with lymphoma. And it was during her treatment that LLS was able to provide her and her husband with debit cards, like monetary support to use however they needed. Unfortunately, Megan lost her battle in 2021 and her legacy continues to live on in her two children and her family and friends. And we try to get together throughout the year, each year doing some small fundraising, all to support LLS in her memory. And we want to continue her fight, even though she can't, so that we can provide some hope and light to some of the families who are going through this themselves. Um, and so that being said, um, I believe Christina is with us tonight as well. Christina is the campaign development manager for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for the Ohio River Valley, who all the proceeds are benefiting in tonight's charity duck race. And we just want to thank you all for doing that tonight. Yes, I want to echo that. Thank you all for having us on. And thank you, Mandy, for doing this um, in memory of Megan. We are an organization that is right here in Cincinnati. We've been around for 70 years. And like so many, me included, I wasn't aware of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society until it hit our home. So we have patient services, as Mandy mentioned. We have financial aid. We have urgent need. We have everything from your, from your diagnosis through your journey and beyond for your caregivers, 
We have a First Connection volunteer program, program that matches you up with others who have been impacted with this type of cancer and they've made it through and they're happy to share how that journey goes. Every three minutes, someone is diagnosed with a blood cancer, which seems absolutely unbelievable, every three minutes. And the, the funds that we raise not only fund different forms of uh, blood cancer treatments, but they cross over to other forms of cancer for not just not just cures, but less toxic treatments and medications. And like Mandy mentioned, some of our medications cost $8,000 a month. Nobody can afford that. So we have a copay assistance program. So if anyone who's listening has been impacted by a cancer or that does hit your home or someone nearby, please know you can go to lls.org to, to find out about our resources. We appreciate you all having us on. And thanks, uh, Christy and Mandy. Appreciate you guys. And one of the big things for us here is... Um, it was exactly what you guys were saying. It's not just about the monetary value that we're able to raise, but it's also the awareness that we can bring to um, our viewers as well as other people that will watch us later because you yeah. don't know who's out there that may need these helps or services. So it's nice to be able to talk about it as well. Um, but with tonight, we have our virtual duck race, which is what this is all about. And we were able to raise fourteen fifty, if I recall, uh, four, uh, $1,450. So it's all going to yeah. go to the LLS. And um, with that being said, uh, we got Tom who uh, does our duck race for us. So um, let's put those names in and uh, see who the winner is. You're on mute, James. You might be <laughs> there you are. There you go. All right. There. Um, do you see the ducks up on the screen yet or not? We do yes. not. I do not. All right. Let's see. Give me one second here. Let's see. Ah, we're getting closer. Oh, there we go. Is it getting uh, – my computer is lagging big time here. This is why Jamie or, or somebody else always has to do the duck race. My computer does not like these uh, duck races. Let me know if you guys can see it at all. We see the we're clock. Closer. Oh. Let's see. There it is, right? We, we've got the clock, James. Okay. Clock, 260 seconds. We're going to set yeah, but it. We have no ducks. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Hold on. How about that? There they are. There they are. All right, Tom, you ready? They're at the post. All right, <laughs> let's do it. And they are off. Charging down the Ohio River to Paycor Stadium. Very evenly balanced group tonight. You got purple duck up top, but you don't want to lead early. I think we've already had an early leader winning. It's my aunt. A couple of ducks. Nobody is, nobody is taking command thing. early on as they're swimming down. I mean, they are. there's a lot of bumping going on. I think that is pirate duck who's showing some aggressiveness. Purple. Purple is the color of the night here. It is. But fading back, now we got a couple of traditional regular you know, Ohio River ducks up in there. Neon uh -oh. green duck. Now you ain't going to win. Seven seconds ago, they're charging by. Susan Baines looking pretty good at the queen duck. Uh oh, my goodness. Oh, finish. In that bowl, wasn't it? I think the bumblebee duck won it, but I, I can't. Yes, somebody came out from the back. 
Yeah, yeah. Emmett, yeah. Emmett Bold, it looks like. Was yeah, the Emmett Bold. Emmett Bold. Do you mind me just sharing? I'm, I'm an LLS staff member, so maybe my son shouldn't have won, but Emmett Bold is my son, and he was named after his father when he lost to a blood cancer and the whole reason I work here. So that's pretty ironic. Maybe uh, Tony can just pull a second one at some point and we can give it to somebody else. So that's amazing. Really? No, fun. I think that's great, Christina. Oh, I don't know. Congrats. Emmett Bold has taken a victory lap. I think he wants that. <laughs> that duck worked hard all week on this race. You can't take it from <laughs> That duck is uh, going all the way to Mark Dam. I mean, Super uh, those times are slowing down. Well, we're we're, we're going to say that Emmett gets this jersey. So he's going to get this uh, Joe Mixon signed uh, custom jersey. So. Um, we appreciate everyone who's contributed. And again, this isn't just about the monetary value that we're able to help with these organizations. It's about bringing the knowledge and, and uh, an awareness out to people. So we appreciate you guys. And thanks for uh, bringing this opportunity to us for uh, sharing. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you all. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andy, I'll talk to you. thanks all. Bye. Bye. All righty. You know, People are probably wondering, where's Jimmy tonight? Well, it's Trisha's birthday, but uh, Jimmy apparently has time to uh, type in there and make in front of my uh, mustache. So, uh... You know, but James, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, as you said, it is um, they're while well, they're out celebrating Trisha's birthday. And, uh, you know, Jimmy will spare no expense for his wife and he knows when it's your birthday, you get a free stack of pancakes at IHOP. So anybody out there tonight, they had 830 reservations at the Coleraine IHOP. Stop in and see Jimmy and Trish and uh, be sure to tell her happy birthday. They'll, they'll appreciate that. Oh, man. A lot of uh, happy birthday, Trisha, but uh, a lot of um, cool comments about um, Austin. So, we again, we appreciate him um, coming on. And um, we've got uh, we've a couple got more a things there. We go into our two-minute warning. Yes, Tony, go ahead. Doctor. Yeah, a couple more things, James. So um, I just got a uh, a text from an anonymous donor. We know him very well, but he is going to go ahead and donate to make that an even $2,000 to uh, LLS. So uh, thank you to that anonymous donor and appreciate his support. Um, and also, you know, from the from this weekend, um, we raised over $3,000 for the Burrow Foundation. And with this uh, weekend and this duck race, it brings our year-to-date total to almost $91,000. So, again, I cannot um, uh, say thank you enough to all the Bengal Nation for the great support that you guys are doing. We have a goal of $150,000, and I, I really think we're going to blow past that if we keep this trend up. So, again, just appreciate it. We're at $91,000 for the year. So, thank you to everyone. Impressive. And I did have um, some pictures, Tony, here. Um, I think, as you mentioned, Joe Burrow helmet went to um, the winner uh, from Sunday night. The Joe Burrow Foundation was the um, the charity. Yeah, we had a uh, Joe Burrow signed alternative white helmet that went to Jen and Kenton Davis. Um, you guys might know him as Bengal Chucky. Uh, so we were able to get that uh, helmet to them. And then we also had a Sam Hubbard signed jersey, which we uh, – I do. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I do believe he was from the Kentucky area. You were talking to him, James, but uh, he received that jersey as well. So, want to talk about um, this picture? Yeah. So, real quick, you know, uh, Tony's Tickets for Kids, which is a program that we started, um, you know, a couple years ago, uh, giving opportunities for kids to to go to their first game. This is Maddox, who was uh, blessed with uh, seeing a great win uh, for his first NFL game. Got to experience the the tailgate. I don't know. If, um, I think we might have set the standard too high for him. Uh, now so i don't know if uh, his second game will be as good but 
Um, again, appreciate everyone who donates tickets and, uh, and provides that opportunity for these first kids to go to their games. I'm still looking for tickets uh, for next week's game. Um, if anyone uh, has the, any to donate or whatever, I would appreciate that. And we can make sure that we send another kid to uh, their first game. I think we've now been able to do 27 uh, kids um, sending them to their first game. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, we get that question asked a lot. Um, you know, is the tailgate fan pre or kid friendly, family friendly, 100%? Uh, see, Foco donated a bobblehead along with some other cool prizes. You can see that um, young gentleman there took home the, the DJ Reader bobblehead, it looks like. So, um, yes, any um, tailgate, I'm going to talk about Jacksonville here in the, in the two minute warning. But um, anytime you want to come down, all ages, you are more than welcome to. Um, to attend. Uh, you did mention Ken Riley. Here he is enjoying some of our uh, Condado tacos that they um, bring down every week. And there's the uh, representative there. We wanted to give them a, a shout out. And then um, even the Tiger and, and Jimmy had time to, uh, to snag a taco during, uh, during the tailgate. So, um, so much fun. And here's just a, another picture of the, the stacked crowd. Um, you know, we're so fortunate to have the, the tailgate location we have. You can see Big Burrow there and kind of the center right. Um, as always, we appreciate Craig, Dell, Cincy Beer Fest, all those um, folks who um, work on the beverage side of things. But uh, just a fun atmosphere, always 100 um, percent family friendly. And uh, if you haven't made it down, we would love to see you. Tony sent me a two minute warning, a new one that uh, didn't get uploaded. So we're going to have to. Um, Use yours, Tony. This is the two-minute warning. <laughs> I look so serious. So, <laughs> so serious there. Mark, go ahead and start us off. All right. Uh, excited for the game. Um, I'm just really proud of the team. You know, this week, I think we just have to come out and really put them away uh, the first half. You know, really impressed with the defense. You know, go from a team like San Francisco, who's very structured on schedule, to a team like Buffalo who's off cuff and they want to make things happen out of the pocket and for us to be able to handle those back-to-back -back weeks. So we're coming in with this young, scrappy team. We just go ahead and put them out their misery early. We need a complete game, at least a complete first half, and we can get that, you know, offense, defense, special team. But, uh, you know, I'll see you gentlemen uh, Sunday morning, bright and early. Sunday. Tony? Yeah, so um, longest third down I've ever experienced at Paycor. I don't know if you guys remember it, but – it just kept on going and going, penalty after penalty. But anyway, we were able to pull out the big win. And um, I agree with Austin. I'm kind of skeptical about the whole Texas Bengals game. I think um, it is. I think we're going to win, but I just think it's going to be a scrappy little uh, dirty win, you know, from a perspective that we're not going to be able to just blow them out like uh, some people may think. But looking forward to it. And um, also, we got another charity uh, this weekend. So make sure you come out and. Uh, support that and um you know keep uh, doing the donating and uh, appreciate everyone who uh uh were able to uh, wear the right colors for your section it was awesome to see the aerial views from that and um you know there were some media folks saying um that you know Bengal fans weren't too intelligent and was really surprised that we were able to do that um you know we are the best and uh, most uh, knowledgeable fan base around so uh, we can we can show them up for that for sure so other than that um respect you all and i appreciate everything I'm going to go next. Uh, Tom, you can end it. And uh, we're going to talk about the Jacksonville tailgate here. Uh, getting a lot of questions. The flyer is up. Uh, the pre-sale price is going to be good through Friday. So if you have not purchased your tickets yet, 
we invite you to do so. Um, again, thanks to Craig for doing a lot of the legwork on this. This is going to be an epic location that um, something we, we haven't done before. I think we're close to 500 people already um, pre-registered. So if you're going to uh, come down for that game, Monday Night Football, the link is in the comments. There's a flyer. You can also get um, get that information on the social media channels. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, be there. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. Back at um, Paycor on um, on Sunday, as we talked about, for the 1 o'clock um, kickoff, um, Skyline Donatos, our, our normal regulars, everything bagels, and um, DJ Trub will be back. And I uh, can't thank everyone. Prime steak. Don't forget what they said, big right? Um, is that this Sunday? I thought it was. Okay. It's not. And Mark's going to owe everybody a steak. But um, <laughs> you know, it. Uh, look forward to it again. Just a, a huge crowd. It was uh, pretty much a playoff crowd that we had there on on Sunday night. And um, appreciate everyone that uh, came out. As we talked about um, Alicia Reese, that's one person we didn't um, talk about. Alicia Reese came down. Um, after a lot of the folks did the Bootsy Collins video across the way at the Black Music Hall of Fame. And the one thing that she was blown away by was our map. And if you've never been to a tailgate, uh, we ask people that aren't from the area, whether it's from Idaho or, or Germany, place a pin on the map. And she just could not believe the diversity of, of Bengals fans from literally all over the globe. So um, kudos to all them and uh, look forward to seeing you Sunday. Tom? A couple of things. Uh, again, big thanks to Austin Elmore. Cincinnati's always had a rich broadcasting history. Uh, sports talk hosts, Bengal coverage. You know, I think of the group we have, which is just an incredible, hardworking group. Austin's the best. You can tell he works hard. He's always prepared. He, he's got, you know, an objective mind, but he's also got the heart of the fan. He can relate to us, I think, better than anybody behind a microphone. So please follow him on social media and listen to his show uh, Monday through Friday, 12 noon on 1530 a.m. Uh, another segment we had started last week, the viewer of the week. And based on nominations and so forth, that goes to Mike of Hidden Valley Lake in Indiana. So when you see him uh, just off a of state line road, uh, please uh, say hi to uh, Mike from Hidden Valley Lake. He is the viewer and Bengals fan of the week there. Uh, a very important game Sunday. And I agree with Austin with a, the big win last week on primetime and a monstrous game looming in Baltimore. It would be easy to overlook Houston. I don't think Zach Taylor... Maybe by nature that's going to happen. I don't think Zach Taylor is going to let that happen. I don't think our quarterback, Joe Burrow, is going to let that happen. Uh, I just think Houston's darn good, and they're very, very dangerous. I think it's going to be an entertaining game, and it's going to fall back on us, the fans, to get that playoff atmosphere back there and make Houston miserable inside Paycor Stadium. Uh, and on that, we're by the fans for the fans. So many people – that I talk to from out of town that come into Cincinnati are not just blown away by the 180 that has been done with fan optimism and enthusiasm for the team in our city, but the incredible youth movement in that stadium. The top canopy is, I mean, full of people in their 20s, season ticket holders and enthusiasts. You know what? They don't care about, care about the naysayers. They're there to have fun and back their team and make that place loud. 
the new generation of Bengal fans, you guys are fantastic. You are appreciated, and you're going to be a big part of keeping this team in town. Uh, you're, you mirror the the foot, you know, the sports movement where you know the fastest growing sport for youth is flag football, and a big part of that is women. But you you see the ladies there dressed up and loud every week. Um, some of them don't use the language that is you know very common in the south end zone, but uh, you don't hear that kind of stuff in the north end zone. But uh, nonetheless, that'll that'll probably come. But thank you uh, to all of you viewers. There's a lot of different places you can stop and get your Bengals information. And we hope you do. Back, everybody. But uh, we thank you for supporting us every week. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Good day, everybody. Good day.